following podcast is recorded and produced by the Podcast Precinct in affiliation with the network at BICBP-radio.com. The Podcast Precinct. Consistency. Creativity. Culture. I can't get a good look at a T-bone steak by shoving my head up the bull's ass, but I'd rather take the butcher's word for it. Hey, welcome back to Getting Loser. We're starting a podcast. Today, we're talking about the great Chris Farley. Yes, sir. Uh, I've been hyping this episode up all week. Oh, man. This uh, has the potential to become my new favorite episode. Mm. Yeah. Just because I love Chris Farley so much. And... When Drew pitched the idea to me, I was like, oh, I'm in 100%. No, no uh, how how he pitched the idea is like, you know, there's the beginning of the month, and we used to do our movie-based topic. I was like, all right. I said, let me come up with something. I, I text him. Hey, um, I got something. So let me think of something. Like, not even five minutes later, I text him. Let's do Chris Farley. I mean, it's a perfect topic to talk about because, you know, unfortunately, Chris's uh, life and the comedy world wasn't very long, so I mean, it's. We figured instead of just talking about one Chris Farley movie, why not just talk about Chris Farley as a person? You know, so we're, that's what we're gonna do here for to you today. We're gonna go over a little bit, you know, his early life, growing up in Madison, Wisconsin, and then, you know, we'll talk about the the improv club, Second City, SNL stuff, uh, his movies. You know, me and Drew got a couple of little. We're going to, you know, <clears throat> do like a little personal shit here in between like, you know, of our personal connections of Farley and shit, stuff like that. And then, uh, you know, we'll talk about the the bad the, stuff. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Yeah, we're going to talk about as much as we can for you guys here. So, I mean, I don't even want to say anything else. I just want to get right into it and ask well, how excited I am. Oh, yeah. Sean's over there screaming like a little girl. You, I'm hyped, man. I can't wait. Fun. I love talking about Farley. Dude, Farley. Dude, how many times did you watch that documentary? Oh, at least 100. I, I used to date this girl. This girl I used to date, Jasmine. I used to uh, text her every night when I was watching the movie, and she'd get so mad at me because she'd be like, you watched it last night, and I'd be like, so? I'm watching it again. What the fuck? It's so good. I can't help it. But, yeah, dude, I mean, <clears throat> just like uh, Adam Sandler said in the I Am Chris Farley documentary. Or no, it wasn't Adam Sandler. It was uh, Jay Morrow, I think it was. He said, uh, anytime you get to talk about Chris Farley, it's a good day, man. And I agree. Anytime you get to talk about Chris, it's, it's the best. Obviously, I didn't know him personally, but, I mean... He had a pretty big impact on me, so. All right, all right. Now, here is his early life. His, uh, Chris, Chris Farley was born on February 15, 1964 in Wisconsin, Madison, Wisconsin, and grew up in uh, Maple Buff. 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 Yeah, I'm not good at saying these words, people. You should know this by now. Uh, his father, Thomas... 
John Farley Sr. and his mother Mary Ann uh, fa- uh, damn fuck the name up already Farley <laughs> <coughs> yeah um he had what three brothers did he have three brothers yeah three brothers and a sister and a sister yeah and his father owned an oil company and his mother was a she was a, a homemaker but yeah he had four brothers Tom Jr. Kevin, John, and Barbara was his sister. And his cousin Jim was like a brother to him. And uh, his cousin Jim went on to be uh, chief executive officer at Ford Mortar Company. Now that's some good shit right there. Kind of, you know. Also worked, uh, Chris kind of got the basis for Callahan Auto Parts for Tommy Boy. Really? Yeah. They said... In one of the documentaries, uh, in the I Am Chris Farley documentary, his brother, one of his older brothers said that uh, every character Farley played was just a different version of his father. That he, uh, you know, his father was the only one he, his father was the one he always wanted to make, was always trying to make laugh, so every character he would play would just be different versions of him, of Big Tom, because Chris and his father were super close. But, uh... Yeah, the Farleys uh, were Irish Catholics, and uh, Chris Chris attended parochial schools in Madison, including Edgewood High School of the Sacred Heart. Uh, and according to Joel Murray, that's Bill Murray's brother, uh, and also a fellow Second City cast member of Chris, said that uh, Chris never missed uh, Sunday Mass. So that's pretty cool. I mean, you know. He was very deep into his beliefs, so that's, you know, that's always pretty great. Oh, yeah, definitely for sure. You know how those Roman Catholic uh, Irish people are. Yeah. But, you know, they, uh, the Farleys, they lived in a very small town in Madison. And uh, his brothers in the documentary, his brothers said that, uh, you know, Chris was the middle child and they called him the strange one. <laughs> the strange one. And they said he w- he would always, uh, you know. Even at the dinner table, he was always, you know, he was always doing something to try and get his dad's attention, try and make the family laugh. So, I mean, Chris, I think part of him knew early on that he wanted to be a comedian. I think he knew, you know, he had a talent for it, and, you know, he grew into arguably arguably one of the funniest men to ever live. So, I mean, you know, yeah, but go ahead, Drew. Go what? Go ahead. Keep talking about him. Oh, yeah, um, one of the funniest people, he went to college in uh, 1986. <laughs> oh, he graduated college from 1986. He graduated high school from 1982. Uh, for like four years, he didn't really start his SNL career, but he went to that, that comic club, the Second Chance or something? Second City. Second City. Yeah, he before being discovered for SNL, he worked at Second City, which is where he met uh, a lot of other fellow comics like Joel Murray, uh, Tim Meadows, Bob Odenkirk. They worked a lot of those guys. And Second City is also the first place that Chris donned the Matt Foley skit. That's the first. That's where the Matt Foley skit was born. 
And Matt Foley was actually based off of a guy that Chris went to college with. So there is a real Matt Foley out there. And, and I'm pretty sure he's a priest. Yes. Uh, which makes it even funnier. Yes, um, pretty much um, when I was looking it up, was it, um, uh, Foley says, I am that guy, Foley says. Referring to the popular uh, uh, SNL skit, Chris Farley, the beloved uh, character was inspired by Father Matt Foley, who was one of Farley's best friends when both attended uh, Marquette. Marquette Marquette University. We both we played rugby together. Yeah, you know, but Matt Foley, some of his some of his skits. Like if you if you, if you guys want if you, if you didn't know who Matt Foley is, we're gonna take you down the road of Matt Foley. I mean, I'm pretty sure everybody knows who Matt Foley is. Sure. Yeah, some people some people don't know. Like who? Ah, <laughs> exactly. Everybody knows who fucking Matt Foley is. Come on. Um. Yeah, um, it was it was uh, the point when they were doing the uh, their sk- when Chris was doing his skit. He had David Spade and uh, Christian Christian Applewood. Is it Applewood or Applegate? Applegate. Applegate. Um, you could tell they're trying to keep a straight face, and the uh, camera had to go away from them real quick because uh, uh, they almost broke the uh, character because what what he was doing. Yeah, and the dot and the uh, I'm. Listen, guys, I'm going to quote a lot from I'm Chris Farley. All right, that's where I get a lot of my information from because I've watched it so many times. But uh, in the in the documentary, Christina Applegate even talks about how in the skit there's a lot of times where she had like her hair down in front of her face, and the reason she did that is because she was laughing so hard, and she uh, when it came to her one line, she only had one line in the whole skit, and that was. When Matt fully asks her what she wants to do with her life, and she says, "Well, I want to live in a van down by the river," she uh, she said she almost couldn't say a line because she couldn't stop herself from laughing at Chris. So I mean, that was pretty cool. I mean, he he put his all into it, man. That's for sure. That was one of the things that made Farley so fu- so damn funny, man. Is that he didn't care. He just he, he went out there and he embarrassed himself. If it, it made some people laugh, and that's all he cared about, and that was the best. Hey, Sean, um, who's your, what's your favorite uh, Chris Farley's uh, skit on Saturday Night Live? Not including Matt Foley. What, what's your second favorite one? Uh, I don't know. He didn't really have a lot of big ones, like well-known ones at least. Uh, the Chippendale skit with Patrick Shrazy, that's pretty funny. I was like, yeah, we yeah we uh, hiring for a new stripper, uh, not stripper. We hiring for a new dancer. It's insane how like how well Farley held up against Patrick Swayze, like in dance moves. Like he gave that dude a run for his money, man. That skit too. Mike Myers said he had to go. He had to cover his mouth a lot of the time because he couldn't <laughs> stop laughing. Yo, know, like like I don't want like I know his impulse. Every time he, every time Chris is always on a on a scene. A Saturday Night Life, he always going through a table. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't know how anybody on SNL works with that guy, man. I would not be able to keep a straight face at all being around that dude. He just he had a very he had a very comedic energy about him. He was very high strung. But um, he was also in your other favorite skit, the Chicago Bears. Oh yeah, <laughs> like, oh, the Bears are better Bears. 
How many uh, how many heart attacks is that for you now? Ah, uh, that makes a baker's dozen. It's <laughs> one of my favorite skits ever. I fucking love that skit. That is a great one too. I got a piece of Polish sausage. <laughs> That's a great I'll, one. I also liked him when he did the uh, the lunch lady. Oh, uh, and there'd be no lunch lady in lunch lady land. Big whoop de fucking do. <laughs> yeah, um, Adam Sandler was one of his best friends. Like, compared to uh, all, of, all of the Adam Sandler's crew, it would be like Adam Sandler, David Spade, uh, Chris Rock. What? How about Rob Snyder? Well, I mean, Rob Snyder was there to the end. Yeah, he was. But uh, when Chris, actually, when Chris finally went to SNL, well, Lauren Michaels, who runs SNL, discovered Chris at Second City, performing at Second City. That's how he found out about him, and that's when he hired him to come be on SNL. And uh, when he joined SNL, he joined at the exact same time as Chris Chris Rock, which was uh, early 1990, on SNL. And while he was on SNL, he frequently collaborated with fellow cast members Chris Rock, Adam Sandler, Tim Meadows, Rob Schneider, and David Spade, among others. And this group came to be known as the Bad Boys of SNL. So, I mean, that's... Like Drew said, you know, Adam Sandler was one of his best friends. Uh, then, you know, he was really close to Chris Rock, David Spade, Rob Schneider, all those guys. Uh, but if we're going as far as, like, best friend, I think it's safe to say that it was probably David Spade. Oh, it has to be. Probably. I mean, they, not only did they work on all those movies together and shit, but, I mean, they were just, you know, David Spade and Chris Fire are like, kind of like, oh, me and you are. Oh, yeah. Chris Chris was constantly going after Spade. He was constantly trying to, you know, fuck with him. I mean, that's that's just what they did. I mean, they were, you know. You know, uh, interesting fact. One of, one of Chris's many girlfriends, uh, Lois Michelle, assistant, uh, Aaron Maroon, I'm sorry butchering his name, have, who became a writer on SNL. Yeah, and one of the, and you know the scene from Tommy Boy? That girl, Michelle, at, by the pool. No, the girl by the pool and at the hotel. Yeah, the really hot girl. Yeah. Chris was dating that chick at the time. Hey, well, uh, we're gonna talk about Tom Boy like in a second. Drew, you're all over the place. What are you talking about? Oh, really? Oh, <laughs> oh my God. Um, Chris Fowler was fired from SNL along with co-host Adam Sandler in 1995, one year before his contract ended. Is pretty much what Sean said, the bad boys of SNL. Well, at the time, Sandler and Farley were fired because new, they had brought a new management to SNL, and uh, that new management didn't like them. They didn't like Farley. They didn't like Spade. They didn't like Sandler. And, I mean, it very well could have been because they were known as the bad boys of SNL, but it was like, you know, it was basically just like a lot of things. The fresh eyes came in and... Maybe these fresh eyes thought it was time to get rid of some of you know these guys that they didn't really think could hold the show very long. But me personally, I think they're fucking stupid for it. But oh, definitely you know, for sure. Knows. But uh, 
Yeah, so... Um, go ahead. Yeah, um... Yeah, well, working on Saturday Night Live, Farley has small actor roles in four movies. Wayne's Road, Security Guard, Conehead as uh, Connie's boyfriend. Wayne Road, they brought him back for Wayne's Road 2. Uh, was Mil- was Milter? In Wayne's World 1 and 2, he played two different characters. And um, and Airhead as Officer Wilson. Airhead was a, a right movie. Yeah, it wasn't a bad movie. Like, I... Uh, like I've been watching it, but it was—is it with Brendan Fraser? Yeah, it's got Brendan Fraser, Steve Buscemi, Adam Sandler. Yeah. It's a rock band that takes over that rock that the they radio take over station? that radio station. Oh yeah, yeah, it was a good movie. Um, the Coneheads, um, it, it was a funny movie. Uh, Dan Aykroyd played an amazing, amazing character as the father. Like a, he was an alien come out of space. And like when I first watched the movies, like hmm, I wanted. People's heads really look like that. <laughs> a uh, a funny fact about when Chris was on SNL, he only wrote one skit for himself ever the whole time he was on the show, and the skit got cut from the show. But Adam in the documentary, Adam said that you know everybody wanted to everybody wanted to write for Farley because it was so easy to write for him, like that. So. When, like, the writers would find out that they were writing skits for Farley, they'd get so excited because they loved writing for him. So he never, the whole time he was on SNL, he never once wrote any of his skits. Everybody else wrote for him. Yeah, that's pretty That's pretty awesome. Like, you have a legacy, like, you have uh, John, Steve, and Sean writing a skit for Chris Farley. Well, I mean, I'm sure that's also a part of the reason of why new management didn't want him around, probably. Because at that time, back in those days at SNL, the performers were writing their own skits. That was part of the thing, you know what I mean? You had to write your own skit to be on the show. So I'm sure when new management came in, part of the reason they didn't like Chris is because Chris didn't write his own skits. But, I mean, you know, Chris was more of a performer, man. You know, he wasn't... He couldn't sit down and write skits. He just... If you gave him something to perform, he could perform it, but he couldn't sit down and just write it. I I, I believe, if I'm right, he had, like, problem with that like learning disability i'm not really he just it just wasn't part of who he was he was just he was a very high strung person he just couldn't focus on shit like that um he like he was neighbors with jerry springer at the john hancock center in chicago just just imagine being neighbors with jerry springer like i bet i bet the guys come together go to each other and say hey jerry uh i know you got a new show coming on you should do like more like hardcore shit yeah, I, uh, also while he was on SNL, you know, he featured in a couple other things like we talked about the Chippendales, the the Bears. Uh, he also did Gap Girls with David Spade and Adam Sandler. <laughs> uh, he played Bennett Brower on Weekend Update, which he often divulged his personal and hygienic problems via air quotes. And he also played himself on the Chris Farley talk show where we'd, that's where the skit came along where he'd be like, like we put, one time he interviewed Paul McCartney and he's like, you remember that time you were in the Beatles? <laughs> Paul was like, yeah, I remember. He's like, that was awesome. <laughs> that was awesome. So. Yo, I, th- I think, I think that was awesome was probably one of his, I think one of my favorite uh, catchphrases and Snikes. He also did, uh. 
one of his popular skits on SNL was when he uh, did an impersonation of Tom Arnold. That was one of his big things, too. So, I mean... But, uh... uh, Farley wasn't just making people laugh on SNL, though. I mean, he was known for doing a lot of... Being involved in a lot of off-screen pranks around the offices of Saturday Night Live. Uh, Sandler and Farley would make late-night prank phone calls from the SNL offices in Rockefeller Center. With Sandler speaking in an old woman's voice and Farley farting into the phone. And mooning cars from a limousine and even once defecating out a window. Oh my god. He was also known to frequently get naked and do various stunts for laughs. Including imitating James Buffalo Bill Gum from the then current film Silence of the Lambs. Uh, Rock once claimed that she probably saw, that he probably saw Farley's genitals. More than Farley's girlfriend did. And uh, Sandler once told Conan O'Brien on The Tonight Show that NBC fired him and Farley... Oh, yeah. Dang it. They they got fired from SNL. Farley also did a cameo appearance in the sitcom Roseanne where he played as a customer at a clothing store. Um... Then uh, the f- first first film when he was starred in his major role was Tommy Boy. Oh, I love Tommy Boy. That that quote I said earlier, it was from Tommy Boy. No, nah, really, <laughs> not really. But yeah, when he when they were working on Tommy Boy, they were actually while working on Tommy Boy, they were flying back and forth at night. They'd do Tommy Boy, and then they'd fly back to do SNL. Because David Spade and, and Chris were both still doing SNL at the time. So, I mean, they'd, do, they'd shoot in the morning, and then at night they'd fly back to do SNL. And then they'd fly back again in the morning to do Tommy Boy. So, I mean, it was, it was, you know, it was obviously taking its toll on him. He was, he was doing a lot for the movie. And then, uh, you know... Then after Tommy Boy came Black Sheep, which he also starred in with David Spade. With David Spade, that was a good movie too. Yeah, it was a solid flick. I mean, it was Tommy Boy's obviously the better one, but that one wasn't bad. They also had uh, who else was in that movie? I can't think of that guy's name who plays his brother in that movie. I know the guy. The guy who plays his brother in that movie also played Otter in Animal House, but I just can't think of the guy's name. But he's a good actor too. Are you talking about the the guy that played his brother in uh in Black Sheep? The Black guy Sheep? that played the the president or whatever. The go- the the run- governor, yeah, yeah the- that was running for president or whatever, or running for governor. Yeah, running Donnelly for governor. for governor or Donnelly for mayor or whatever. Yeah, that guy. He played Otter, and I'm pretty sure that's the guy who played Otter in Well Animal House. Tim. Tim, my. Matt's son? Yeah, I'm pretty sure he played Otter in Animal House. Let me just let me look up let me look up Tim real quick. Okay. Well, uh Tommy Boy and Black Sheep were both success at domestic op- box office earning thirty around thirty two million each and then obviously becoming cult classics over the years. Uh the two films 
established Farley as a re- relatively bankable star, and then he was given the title role of my favorite to- of my favorite Chris Farley movie, Beverly Hills Ninja, which at the time finished first place at the box office on its opening weekend. Which was fucking great. I love that movie. If you guys have never seen Beverly Hills Ninja, there's something wrong with you, man. That movie is so good. The Great White Ninja. That movie is fantastic. Oh, I'm the Great White Ninja. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, he played uh, uh, Tom, or that played his brother. He was uh, Eric. Yeah, Eric Otter, right? I just, I just, I just had it too. What year did that came out? 79? I don't know. Yeah, Eric, Eric Star, Star 2? Yeah, and they called him Otter in the movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I knew that's who it was. Yeah, that guy's a good actor, too. Um, yeah, Sean, um, we're, we're all talking about where our favorite movies is. But let's, 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 uh, because this is a, a technically a movie episode, let's, let's break down these movies. What do you mean, break them down? Tell what was your favorite parts? What was your funny parts? All right, let's talk about Tommy Boy. Then. Oh fuck yeah, <laughs> um, Tommy Boy. Let me just pull up his. Uh, let me pull up the page real quick for Tommy Boy. Tommy Boy had uh, good actors in there. They had uh, Rob Lowe as his uh, brother-in-law, stepbrother. His uh, soon-to-be stepbrother. He also had Brian Dennehy as his father. Big Tom. Yeah, Big Tom. R.I.P. to Brian Dennehy. Did he die? No, dude. He was in that movie Tag. That just came out a couple of years ago. Oh. Yeah, um, his uh, stepmom, she she was, like, how Tom, how Tommy said it, she's like, yeah, like, yeah, if I could have a picture of your mom, she'd be born of the month. Because, of course, he played a frat brother. Yeah. And then, uh, there's a couple other names in there. Oh, uh, fucking, uh, no, that was Black Sheep. Never mind. I was going to say Gary Busey. That's Black Sheep, though. I don't think there was really any other big names in Tommy Boy, really. I uh, I mean, there was kind of smaller actors that weren't super well-known. Yeah, it was, uh, oh, how how are we forgetting about Dan uh, Ackworth? Oh, that's right, Zelensky. Zelensky. Zelensky's auto parts. I forgot about him. Um. What's one called? Uh, that Brian that, that played Big Tom. He did pass away on April 15, twenty twenty. Really? Yeah. What the fuck? I didn't know that. Yeah, we yeah we made a big deal about that. Well, rest in peace, Big Tom. Uh, yeah. Um, Julie awarded, or she played she she played a cute Michelle on that. Yeah, uh, Bo, uh, Bo Dex. She played Bedbury. Bo Derek. Bo Derek. Yeah, pretty much, um, Tommy Boy and, uh, and, uh, Richard. They were, like, friends back in, like, when they were younger. And Richard's riding back to school. He's like, Tommy, you're going to be late for school. Shut up, Richard. <laughs> Shut up, Richard. <laughs> it's like, this is the funny part is, um, when he gets to uh, like the, the beginning sequence, is like almost when he was a kid, but they did it again when he was a an adult when he was going to college. 
the beginning sequence, he's like going through these here, and um, he gets to the test. It's like who who was the first person who wrote the uh, uh, des- uh des- the in- the independence of documentary? What did you just call it? <laughs> you know, the Declaration of in- Declaration of Independence. Yeah, because we all know it's John Hancock. He said, "Nope, I'm gonna put Herbie Herbie Hancock." <laughs> Stupid. Like the the funny part of it, after he get the test, he he was, he was moving he was moving like I never really got test results on the wall like that before. Charlie, have you ever did that? Like, did you ever got test results on the wall for you? No, no. Uh, he was funny. He was moving people over. He's like, like he uh, shakes the, he shakes his little Asian kids like, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll pass, I'll pass. I was like, yeah, sorry about this. It's pretty awkward right now. But then, um, as soon as that happens, when Richard picks him up from the airport. Richard's like, oh, let me guess, this is your bag. Like, the garbage bag comes out. Drew, real quick. Are you going to give us step-by-step of this entire movie? No, or? no, no, no. I thought we were here to talk about our, our favorite parts and the funniest parts, and now you're breaking down the entire <laughs> flick. All right, all right. Let me, make it, let me get back on track. But with, that, uh, with the airport thing, like... Oh, what do you call me on? Uh, two, seven, eight, niner, fiver. Is that that here a niner? You were calling on a walkie-talkie? Ah, Jesus! What am I gonna fucking do with you? Oh, uh, yeah. My um, all right. My favorite part was uh, I'm not gonna actually get into my favorite part now. <laughs> my favorite part when uh, like when they were going on sales. Um, he's like he's in the office talking about like about. Like, Laying that car on fire, and he just pulls hair out. That part, uh, the chicken wing, the chicken wing scene, the chicken wing scene was really a it was like a motivating right there. It was because, like he he tried like that's when he get his sales pitch, and that's when Tommy started doing Tommy later in that movie. Yeah, the Tommy want wingy part. Tommy want wingy. Or that's when, uh, that's when Richard learned how to get Tommy to sell shit. They just had to sell like he was doing that. Uh, I don't know what my favorite part. Oh, you know what? Actually, I think I know my favorite part from that movie. Is the speech at the end after he uh, he saves Callahan Auto Parts when he's talking to everybody, telling them that you know they'll always have a home there, at Callahan. That's one of my. That's probably my favorite part. That's a really good part. Uh, I also like the whole Rob Lowe scene at Zelensky when he's trying to run away, and then he gets hit by that fucking test car. I think it's thrown in that chair, and then that thing falls right in his nutsack. That's a pretty good part too. Also, the cow tipping scene. That's a fucking great scene. Tommy Boy's. I mean, it's filled with good parts, man. I mean, the whole movie's good. But, uh, yeah, you know, the good thing about Tommy Boy, too, is I feel like Tommy Boy was able to also show a little bit of uh, Chris's sensitive side, too, because, you know, he's got that whole part with his dad where he's talking to his dad at the end and shit. Or he talks, he goes on the boat the first time when he first loses his dad and he has that little emotional moment talking about, you know, missing his dad. And then at the end, he has it again. So I think Tommy Boy did a great job of not only showing off Farley's comedic chops, but also showing that, you know, 
like all of us, Chris had a sensitive side. Which is what made me connect with him so much when I first started watching his movies. When I first found out who he was. Sorry, I got the hiccups. Uh, yeah, um, I think my other favorite part is the uh, pool scene. Where um, where they get their first sale, they're all happy about it. Um, yeah, it's like, because, hey, you want a pizza? It's like, yeah, I'm good. He goes on to the pool, uh, talks to the girl. He's like he puffs his chest, he he puffs his like his shoulder up and chest up. So hey, you know where the gym's at? <laughs> then um the whole part was like, like as soon as he did it, then a uh, Richard was being a little being a little perv. He's going through the blinds like, oh no one's watching you. You can take it off. <laughs> yeah, that part's pretty good too. And then uh, I also like when they, when they like run off the road to avoid the cops and they pretend they got killer bees on them. <laughs> and then uh, Richard tells Tommy, he's like, he's like, you gotta come over here, man. He's like, I just puked on an anthill. They're freaking out. That part's pretty funny too. I like that part. Yeah. So how much, how much of that movie do you, do you think it was just, uh, not really scripted, but it was awful. Oh, I'm sure they let him improvise a lot. They had to have. If I had a movie and Chris Farley was a star, I'd let him improvise the whole fucking thing. Oh, that was definitely a good movie. I know Sean's favorite part um, is when he when Tommy's in, in that meeting with uh, Solinsky, when he sells a half a million brick pads. Sean, I want you to really... Oh, ask. I love that part, dude. When they're watching it back at the... At the the plant at Callahan Auto, when the guys were and the one guy's like, "What just happened?" He's like, "Tommy just sold a half a million brake pads. Tommy just sold a half a million brake pads." I love that part, dude. That part that part pumps me up, dude. I don't know what it is about shit like that, man. Mo- moments like that in movies just get me hyped, man. I get so hyped about it. Like especially when I, like I hear that speech when Tommy's like. You'll always have a home here at Callahan Autos. I'm like, fuck yeah, I love Callahan. Like, I work there and shit. I'm getting so hyped about it, dude. I'm yep. getting so into it. Yo, no lie, Sean. Um, every time Time Boy comes on TV or, like, I don't really like watching TV. On, uh, not TV. Uh, I don't like watching movies on, like, like cable TV without being on, like, HBO, Showtime kind of bullshit. But if Time Boy's on like TBS or something, I'm sitting down watching this. Drew, where you at? Let's watch Time Boy. Yeah, it's a solid flick. <clears throat> uh, before we hop into breaking down Black Sheep a little bit, why don't we talk real quick about you know? Why don't we do a little list real quick of what our favorite uh, Chris Farley movies are? Drew, you go first. Oh, uh, we're going to top three. My favorite movie, of course, is Time Boy, number one. Number two, I had to probably say uh, Beverly Hill, Beverly Hill Ninja. Number three is a toss-up. Was Black Sheep? Then like the fourth one, it'd be uh, Almost Heroes. Solid list. Uh mine's a little different. Mine's uh, Beverly Hills Ninja. That's my fucking shit, dude. I love that movie so much. Uh, 
Then probably Tommy Boy. And then uh, instead of Black Sheep, I'm going to go Almost Heroes, number three, and then number four, Black Sheep. Uh, and if you don't if you don't know what Almost Heroes is, don't be surprised. A lot of people don't know about that flick. It was, kind of flew under the radar. It's a great flick, though. It's got a lot of good people, and it's got uh, Matthew Perry from Friends. Ross from Friends. Or not Ross. Chandler from Friends is in it. Uh, there's a couple other good people. So I can't think of them off the top of my head. But, I mean, it's a fantastic... Basically, the, the whole point of the movie is he's, this group... They're trying to beat Lewis and Clark to the discovery of America. Or you know what I mean? Or whatever. Whatever Lewis and Clark did. Fuck those guys. Nobody cares about those bitches. Fuck those, fuck, fuck those hippies. But yeah, they're they're basically they're, they're Chris Farley and Matthew Perry lead this group to trying to beat Lewis and Clark. And it's fucking hilarious. I mean madness ensues, obviously. It's it's such a good flick. It's very underrated, and it, I'm pretty sure it fucking did nothing in the box office, but it was really good. I love it. It's one of my favorite films ever. But uh, you want to hop into uh, Black Sheep now? Oh, oh yeah, Black favorite Sheep. Favorite moments of Black Sheep. And then we can talk a little bit about that film. Wait, are we talking about Beverly Hills Ninja or Black Sheep? No, drop about Black Sheep. All right, let's talk about Black Sheep. Killing me. <laughs> um, Black Sheep, my favorite moment... It was um, when the house got when the uh, the rock the boulder came down splashing down the house, and they all fall. And uh, no, Richard, uh, damn, I don't know what his name in this one is Mike. Who was Mike in? Uh, no, Chris's name was Mike in the movie. In and, that movie, what was Richard's name? I don't fucking know. Uh, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, the part where he's talking to David Spade, like. Well, um, do do we have any chocolate pudding? No, we don't have no chocolate pudding. Oh, never mind then, because I had chocolate. <laughs> no, he says, uh, dude says, are you good? And he says, yeah, I'm fine. I just got a bowl of chocolate pudding in my back pocket. And he's like, uh, we didn't have any chocolate pudding in there. Hold on, I'm looking up right now, see what their names were. Oh, Steve. Oh, Steve, yeah. Steve and Mike. Uh, my, I think my other favorite part is uh, when uh, Mike meets uh, Derek or Drake. Ah, uh, Drake Sabbath. Drake Sabbath, aka the great, but also mentally insane. Uh, Gary Busey. Gary Busey. And my last favorite part is um. When they go to that Rock the Vote concert in uh, Seattle. Kill Whitey. Kill Whitey. (laughs) It's like, no, no. It was like he was was trying to find his brother to tell him what what kind of bad shit the government was doing. He finally uh, went in the room with all the uh, Jamaicans. I was like, um, I guess I'm in the wrong spot. And and I think the leader or something handed him a blind or something. I was like, oh, I'm good. Like, <laughs> yeah, Black Sheep was another really good Farley film, man. And like Drew said earlier, it had Tim Matheson in it, a.k.a. Otter from uh, Animal House. But uh, Tim Matheson wasn't the only Animal House alum 
who starred in that movie. The movie also starred Bruce McGill, who played D-Day in Animal House. So that's pretty cool. Uh, it also had, you know, like we said, Gary Busey, uh, Fred Wolf, who was big in the, like, the comedy back then. It also starred both of Chris's brothers, Kevin Farley and John Farley, as bouncers at that concert that Drew was just talking about. But yeah, it's a solid flick, man. If I had to pick, like, favorite part, I'd probably say... Uh, Chris falling down the hill. That was pretty fucking oh, yeah, funny. Yeah, that, shit, that shit was comedy gold. He does it in all his movies, pretty much. Pretty much. In some fame or another. Uh, you know. That, uh, that movie... That movie does a lot of, like, what Tommy Boy does, too. It's got, like, a lot of heartwarming parts, you know, like... When Mike finally believes his brother, or, you know, Al finally believes his brother... That his brother's telling the truth, and, you know, when they find out the governor's been lying, she's been forging people's votes and shit. It's a pretty solid flick, man, I mean. But, uh, that flick, when that movie came out, um, it actually upset Farley. Farley was pretty upset with that movie, actually. Uh, because... He said, uh, in an attempt by the studio to recapture the chemistry in Tommy Boy. And, uh, the script was only 60 pages. They were only 60 pages into the script when the project was greenlit. Uh. So, you know. And as a result of that movie coming out and, you know, kind of that he wasn't happy with it. Uh, you know, it. Resulted in him relapsing, which we're going to talk about here in a little bit. And he had to go to a, a rehab center before starting, before beginning work on Beverly Hills Ninja. So, uh, which leads us into the Beverly Hills Ninja. You want to talk about that real quick? Oh, yeah. Uh, Beverly Hills Ninja. I loved it. Uh, it's pretty much... Like the baby, like the whole situation was like he he got he he got placed in the wrong situation, but he wanted to be try to be a ninja, but he wasn't the best of ninja. Good job, poorly explaining that movie, Drew. It's great. <laughs> but in uh, Beverly Hills Ninja, you don't see no David Spade, but you see Chris Rock, one of his boys in there. Yeah, that was one of the first movies. That he didn't work on with Chris Fer- or uh, with David Spade, but it also it had a lot of big names though, like uh, like he said, Chris Rock. Uh, they also had Nicolette Sheridan in it, or uh, Will Sasso, who if you don't know who that is, he was big on Mad TV. And again, both of his brothers, Chris, and John, and Kevin, were both in that movie as a police. They both played policemen. Uh, it also had Robin Shaw in it, who I'm pretty sure was in the original Mortal Kombat movie. Yep, he was in both the original Co- Mortal Kombat movies. So yeah, it basically just, it's about like, basically Chris washes up on this like, near this like dojo as a baby and they believe that he is part of the prophecy to become the Great White Ninja. But <laughs> then he grows up and they end up finding out that he's just a big dumb oaf. 
So, but then he sets out to Beverly Hills to save this woman, and he ends up becoming the Great White Ninja for real. <laughs> Which, uh, that's one of my favorite parts is during the final battle in the warehouse. Uh, his brother shows up in the movie. Well, his brother follows him pretty much the entire movie. He just, like, stays hidden, but he follows him. And during the final fight, uh, you know, he has to choose between saving this girl, saving the love of his life, or saving his brother. And he's like, oh, you know, give me, f- I'll be back in five minutes to save the girl. And he like, lo- he's looking down at all these guys beating up on his brother, and he's like, he's like, you may make fun of me. You may say that I am not the great white ninja, but nobody messes with my brother! And then he jumps down and he starts whooping some ass. <laughs> Hell yeah. That's <laughs> fucking sick, dude. It's one of my favorite parts ever. I love that movie so I much. Think, I think my favorite part is that part. Is also every time, like, like when he leaves during the day, like, oh, some just keep on taking my shoes. <laughs> yeah, that's a good part. Um, yeah. Here's a. Uh, do you do you know he was supposed to be Shrek? He had like ninety eight percent, ninety percent, ninety five percent of that movie done. Yeah, before he died. Oh yeah. Uh I mean you could still you could look up on YouTube, you can look up the test recordings of him as Shrek and I mean he sounded great, man. He sounded wonderful as it. But Yeah. Uh... But they the reason they didn't continue the film with Chris's voice is because they said he felt it would be in bad taste. So that's when uh, Shrek was re-recorded by his former SNL castmate Mike Myers. Um, here's another interesting fact: the the Bad Boys of Saturn SNL was planning to do a movie together called Grown Ups, but the movie was pushed on for a whole ten years after Farley's death. His uh, his replacement was Kevin James. If uh, Farley was still alive, Kevin James would not be Kevin James right now. Yeah, and they, uh, he had also, uh, before his death, he had also, he was also in talks of starring a biographical film about comedian Fatty Arbuckle. Uh, he was originally supposed to be the cable guy in the movie Cable Guy. That role was originally made for Farley. What? Uh, He was also offered, or yeah, he was originally intended for Cable Guy, but he had uh, had, to decline because of conflicts with his schedule. Uh, And he was also offered the role of Ishmael in Kingpin, which eventually went to Randy Quaid. But he was forced by Paramount to turn it down and honors... To honor his commitment in Black Sheep, uh, he was also set slated to star in the Ghostbusters film, which was at the time intended to be about a new trio of Ghostbusters taking on overpopulation in hell. What the fuck? That was the original script that Dan Aykroyd was working on for the third movie that never got made. Oh, wow, I didn't know this. Uh, Dave Pilkey, the offer of... Captain Underpants wanted had wanted Farley to play the title role in a potential series based on the books. Oh my god, dude, do you know how fucking good that would have been if they could have got Farley to play 
Captain Underpants. Oh my god, that 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 show would have been fucking fantastic, dude. Oh my god. Uh. Oh yeah, the uh, he was also been in talks to lead an adaptation of the novel A Con Confederacy of Dunces. Farley even expressed interest in portraying a tuck in an adaptation of the novel novel The Incomparable A Took. Both of these shelved projects, along with the Arbuckle biopic, have been alleged to be cursed as Farley, John Belushi, and John Candy were each attached to both roles and all three died before any of the films entered production. So, I mean, that's fucking crazy. That's fucking wild. God, yeah. Yeah, so... I mean, you know, that's... That's just a basic little rundown of Farley's career, you know, his days on SNL, Second City, uh, you know, the movies he worked on, movies that he was attached on or supposed to work on that, you know, either couldn't do because of scheduling or because he died before they could be made. But, uh, Drew, if you're ready, I guess we can talk about the dark Talk now. about the dark stuff. Oh, God. Uh, this is where it's going to get tough. If if you guys don't feel comfortable listening to this next part, uh, you can exit out the episode now. This is going to be a touchy base part right now. If you, if you guys do have like trigger warnings or whatnot, it's time to exit out. But if you if you guys still like our not our I'm not saying can, comedy style, but if you like if you like how we talk, so still still listen on. Hey, Drew, real quick notice. Remember I told you about you over-explain stuff a lot? You're yeah. doing it again. Oh, motherfucker. <laughs> all right, let's just get into this. Let's oh. get into it. All right, all right, let's get into this. Um, Chris Farley uh, died December 18, 1997, in his, uh, his apartment in Chicago, Illinois, 8075 80, North Michigan Avenue that his brother found him. In yeah, his bathroom. brother John found him laying dead on the bathroom floor. Um, he uh, died with uh, opiates and cocaine. He had a cocaine overdose problem. Yeah, it was an accidental overdose of cocaine and morphine. Oh, God. But uh, before... You know, what led to his ultimate death. Uh, For much of his adult life, Farley battled alcohol and illicit drug abuse. The addictions resulted in his repeated suspension from the cast of Saturday Night Live, which I'm sure that also happened. That didn't help when new management came along and they fired him. I'm sure that had something to do with it. Uh, Bernie Brillstein, whose firm of Brillstein Gray Entertainment managed Farley, had repeatedly sent the actor to drug and alcohol rehabilitation. When Farley died, he had been to 17 different rehab centers. God damn, 17. In the, in, the, uh, in the I Am Chris Farley documentary, his brother, I believe it was Kevin, or no, it might have been John Senior, John Jr., he stated that Chris told his family on many occasions that he was committed to beating his addiction, that he wasn't going to let his addiction kill him. And obviously, as we all know, he wasn't able to. He wasn't able to win that battle. 
But uh, in 97, 1997, there was a visible decline in Farley's health. He made a guest appearance on Nickelodeon's children's sketch comedy show, All That, doing a sketch along future SNL cast member Kenan Thompson. The appearance proceeded without incident, but the stunt comedy Farley was famous for was minimal, arguably because it was noticeable Farley was wheezing and heavily, wheezing heavily and straining himself to perform. And then uh, on October 25th, 1997, Farley made his final appearance on Saturday Night Live as a first-time host. And the reason that Lauren Michael uh, asked Farley to come back and host the show is because in the documentary he talks about how, uh, in a way, letting Farley come back and be on the show was like a way of them making Farley deal with it, you know what I mean? Like, making him come face-to-face with what his issues were and making him kind of deal with it. So they thought that letting him host a show would be a way to, you know, wake him up to, you know, hey, buddy, you know, you're back and, you know, you're doing the dark shit again. Like, we need you to come back to us. Uh, Chris Farley idolized... John Bellucci, who had an early uh, life expected. Similar bottle that both worked on Saturday Night Live, started in movies, battled battle with their, their addiction problem, uh, out of control lifestyle, and died at the age of 33 due to drug overdose. That's just crazy. Bellucci died at 33 as a over, drug overdose? Yeah, Sandler and them, his old SNL castmates, during the time that he was struggling with his drug addiction, they used to tell him all the time, like, man, you got to slow down or you're going to end up like Belushi. And he used to tell him, he said, that's fine. Belushi's my hero. I mean, one of the things that didn't help with Chris's drug addiction was that he had such a shitty image of himself. Like, he hated himself. You know, he used to think of himself so shitty. He used to say, you know, uh, fatty falls down. I think everybody goes home happy. Like he, he hated himself. He did. You know, that, I mean, we see that with a lot of comedians. A lot of comedians are so good at making other people laugh because they hate themselves so much. And that was, that's one of the heart, most heartbreaking things for me when I talk about Chris is because, you know, the fucking world loved that dude. The world oh. still loves that dude all these years later. Dude, he was and it's sad that like we couldn't. Help him love himself, you know? It's fucked up, man. A lot of things that just shouldn't have happened. He shouldn't have died the way he did. Yeah, um, here, here's another additional to this, when they find his body. A signs of his body, a red bloody fluid came out his nose, and a white foam fluid from his mouth was because of the drugs. And, uh, oh yeah, go ahead. And at the time of his death, Farley was five foot eight, and five five foot eight, and weighed two hundred ninety eight pounds. He uh, also when he on his final appearance on the show, the uh, the cold open for that episode featured Lauren Michaels contemplating Farley's ability to host, with Tim Meadows advocating that. 
He will be calm. He will be focused, and he will be good. His party days are over. Uh, Chevy Chase was Farley's sponsor in that sketch. And Farley's hoarse voice and flushed skin were the subject of public scrutiny. He had strained his vocal cords during performance, and his exhaustion was so noticeable that producers nearly recommended canceling his appearance. Farley's hosting had been considered so troubling to the cast and crew that it was decided to be pulled from general circulation and from general syndication as well as the SNL seasonal streaming, a decision only shared with Steven Seagal's hosting stint. In the final years of his life, Farley had sought treatment for weight problems and drug abuse on 17 occasions. Yeah. I just just imagine if he actually was there in his apartment. He would probably be still alive. Probably throwing out bangers. But now we just got to look back at his movies. When I watch I am when I watch I am Chris Farley, I actually shed I actually shed a few tears because it was that emotion at the end of that movie. That documentary I mean. Yeah, I actually uh I have a quote from that documentary that uh Bob Odenkirk actually said about Chris and it's I mean, get ready for this guys cuz it's one of the it's one of the gut punches. It's a, it's a real gut punch at least for me. Uh, so the quote goes as, uh, It's rare that a person has that much joy and brings that much happiness to those around them. But with Chris, there's a limit to how wonderful it is to me. And that limit is when you kill yourself with drugs and alcohol. That's where it stops being so fucking magical. So, I mean, I mean people... I mean, if you watch Siam Chris Farley documentary, they they talk deeply about his drug addiction and... How a lot of his friends knew. They could just tell by looking at him. You know what I mean? Like he was back on drugs. And I mean it killed him man. I think one of the the worst things about. When Chris died for me is that. Uh, you know. His father had to bury him. I think that's one of the most fucked up things. Because you know. His father didn't die until 99. So he. Chris's father had to bury his son. Because he just, you know, he just, he couldn't get away from the drugs, man. He couldn't get away from it. Um, During his funeral, what Sean told me, it was massive people there. Oh, yeah. I mean, there was big names there. There was John Goodman there, dude. Jerry Garcia. I mean, there was tons of fucking people there. But the one person that did not show up was David Spade. He he said because it was too emotional for him to be there. Yeah, they had people like uh, Dan Aykroyd, Adam Sandler, Chris Rock, Rob Schneider, Lauren Michaels, Al Franken, John Goodman, George Went, Phil Hartman. And yeah, notably absent was Farley's best friend, Spade. Spade's non-appearance fueled speculation that there was some falling out. However, years later, Spade denied any ill will between him and his comedic partner, admitting that his absence from the funeral was because he would have found it too emotionally difficult. And uh, Farley was buried at Resurrection Cemetery in Wisconsin. But, uh, you know, like I was telling Drew, man, uh, I, for me personally, I consider the day Kiss Farley died as the day the laughter died. 
because, I mean, obviously there's people that make me laugh now, like there's comedians I love now, but nobody will ever make me laugh as much as watching a Chris Farley movie, man. No, no. There's nobody alive today that is funnier than Farley, mm-hmm. and nobody ever will be funnier than Farley. Yo, I got, I got, I got, I got well, one more last thing to say. Is a is a quote from him. I do not know what the future holds. All I know, I'm good today, real good. I bet when he said that quote, I bet he's already facing his demons. That was the time when there was no coming back. I mean, he kind of, I'm pretty sure he kind of knew that, you know, at some point it was going to be over. Like, he knew. I think part of him knew that the uh, the drugs were going to win in the end. But, yeah, man, it's uh, it's sad, man. I love Chris Farley. I'm happy that we decided to talk about him. But uh, what's the time check, Drew? One hour, 15 seconds. <sighs> Perfect. Let me... I want to end it real quick with this. With something that I learned from the documentary. This, uh, one of his partners that he worked with, this, uh, this guy. I can't remember. I'm, the guy's fucking... His name is... Is escaping me at the moment. I think it's Phil something. But uh, they worked together at Second City. They were at Second City together in that SNL. And uh, in the documentary, he talks about how every time before they jump on the before they go on stage at SNL or at Second City, they'd take this little prayer card out of their pocket and they would read this prayer. It's called the Clown's Prayer. And a lot of people have gone on now to coin it Chris Farley's Prayer. So, I mean, I'm not super religious, but I, you know, I figured it'd be a good way to end this episode by saying Chris's prayer. So, here we go. Oh, wait, hold on. My mic's fucked up. (laughs) My God. Here we go. Uh, As I stumble through this life, help me to create more laughter than tears, dispense more happiness than gloom, spread more cheer than despair. Never let me become so indifferent that I will fail to see the wonder in the eyes of the child or the twinkle in the eyes of the aged. Never let me forget that my effort... Never let me forget that my total effort is to cheer people, make them happy, and forget, at least momentarily, all the unpleasantness in their lives. And in my final moments, may I hear you whisper, when you made my people smile, you made me smile. Rest in peace, Chris. Love you, man. Rest in peace, Chris Farley. One of the funniest guys ever. And, uh, you know, I guess we'll get on out of here now. Yes. uh, As always, thanks for riding along, losers.